You're listening to the Bar Business Podcast, where every week, your host, Chris Schneider, brings you information, strategies, and news on the bar industry, giving you the competitive edge you need to start working on your bar rather than in your bar. Welcome to the third episode of the Bar Business Podcast. I'm Chris Schneider, and today we're going to be talking about concept and what it really means to develop a world-class concept for your bar. As we've discussed in the prior episodes, I subscribe to the framework of mindset, concept, culture as the three key components to what it takes to run a bar that not only brings in great sales, that not only makes your guests happy and your team engaged and willing to go the extra mile for you, but that also provides you with the ability to put the most money possible into your pocket. Because again, and I will repeat this over and over again, the bar business is just that. It is a business, and the goal of every business is to generate revenue and optimize the bottom line. So, talking about concept, which is our second pillar again in our mindset concept culture, what makes a concept? Well, a concept in this framework includes all the physical aspects of your business, what you do, how you do it, everything from your physical building to what you serve, how you're approaching your guests, and how you operate your back office. The concept is the meat of the business. It's what drives everything. And yes, you must have the right mindset in order to operate your business properly. And yes, the culture that your business has will dictate a lot about what you do and how things happen. Unless you have the concept right, nothing else matters. I know I will say that about every single part of this, right? Unless you have the right mindset, nothing else matters. But truly, the concept is what your business really is at its core. The concept is your business. So unless you have the right concept for your location, for your customers, for your team, there's no way that you can be successful and operate a world-class establishment. Now, Within concept, obviously, like I mentioned earlier, we have plenty of different aspects. But one of the biggest pieces that you use to communicate your concept to the world is the physical things around your business. And when I say physical things, I know that's not terribly descriptive. I'm talking about your physical building as well as your marketing, the things that you're using to promote your business, and essentially what people see that gives them an idea of what you are. So primarily with this, it comes down to consistency. You need to not confuse your guests. Nothing is worse than a concept for a bar or frankly any business that leads to confusion. When you have confusion, people don't know what you are. People aren't sure what you do. And then people are not going to come in or they will come in, but they're coming in uh, because someone else invited them, not because they see what you're doing and go, hey, that's awesome. I want to be there. So you have to be absolutely cohesive in every part of your business. 
And this starts before anyone actually comes to your establishment most of the time nowadays. Most people that are looking for a bar or a restaurant are going to start by going on the internet. So you need to make sure that your Facebook page, that your website, that anything you have on Yelp or Google, everything that you can control out in the world is showing off your concept and what you are. What you are is going to vary greatly from place to place. A neighborhood bar in Alabama is not the same as an Irish pub in New York, obviously. And obviously, you're going to have to communicate different things. As this podcast goes along, when in the future, we're going to start discussing some of those things. But for today, let's just say that you must present a cohesive vision and a cohesive experience outwardly to the world through your marketing website online presence that gives people a good idea of what they're going to experience when they come in. So once someone's looked at your website, once they've decided, hey, I want to give this place a try, the first thing they see when they come to your establishment, the first impression your bar makes is the exterior and your parking lot. A lot of times people overlook the importance of the exterior of their building and their parking lot. And one thing that I see far too often when I go out, and it, it really is something that makes me cringe inside, if I'm really honest, is dirty parking lots. You can't have beer bottles sitting around your parking lot. A, probably shouldn't have people taking beer out of your bar. In some states, that's going to be an absolute thing that you can't even allow. But you need to have a clean parking lot. You need people to feel comfortable when they pull up to your establishment that they're going into a place where they want to be. Along those lines, you need to have signage and you need to have a presence from the street that invites people in, that lets them know what's going on and doesn't give them a situation where they're unclear as to what your bar is. So for purposes of example, let's say you were an Irish pub. You need things on the exterior that communicate Irish pub. Could be the name, the signage. You could have harps on your windows. Whatever that is, but you need to communicate to the world you're an Irish pub and communicate that you're a comfortable place to come into. Now, once people leave your parking lot and come into your establishment, obviously they're going to see your decor. And your decor, what's on your walls, all of that is going to greatly influence what they feel and what that physical location brings them in their mind. So one thing that I see a lot at bars, and, and I've worked and consulted mostly in the neighborhood bar segment. That's the type of bars that I owned were just neighborhood watering holes. And you see a lot of neighborhood bars that are older, which is great, right? You have a history to build on, but that also have plastic pendants that also are covered in posters on the inside. And frankly, I'm not a fan of either of those things. I, I think plastic pendants may have been cool 20, 30, 40 years ago, but now are the worst thing that you can have inside the bar. Likewise, I personally am not a fan of having a bunch of college sports flags flying around. I think it muddles the atmosphere. If you are a college bar 
or in a college area, sure, have plenty of memorabilia and plenty of things that point to that college that's in your locale. But putting up a bunch of different sports flags, in my opinion, maybe as a sports bar, it could work. But especially, you know, if we're talking neighborhood bars, it's something you see a lot, but it just kind of muddles the experience. So always keep in mind that you need everything about that experience from the website to the exterior to what people see when they come in to provide a cohesive idea of what your bar is. There's other aspects that will dictate their experience, right? And that cohesion needs to go beyond the physical and into the menu and into the service and into the type of food you serve. It's very, very important with all concepts that you have a cohesive feeling and that it makes sense in people's minds. Now, something you always have to keep in mind is just because something makes sense to you doesn't mean it makes sense to other people. A lot of folks in the bar business are a little different than the public. A lot of us are weird in our own ways. And so just because it makes sense to you doesn't mean it makes sense to everyone else. So it's important as you're developing a concept, as you're trying to refine your concept within your establishment, that you go to other people for their opinions so that it's not just purely based upon what you think and what feels right to you. In your concept, beyond like the customer areas that we're talking about, beyond how the customer feels when they walk in the door. And that is one of the key points of their entire visit, right? Is from the website to the bar stool. But beyond that, when we're talking about concept, we also have to look at the bar equipment design, the kitchen equipment and design. Because if you don't have the right equipment and the right design behind your bar or in your kitchen, you're not going to be able to maximize your ability to serve your customers. You aren't necessarily going to be able to do the type of food or the type of drinks that really allows you to have that cohesion in your business. So you always have to think about, does the equipment, does my space also support this concept? And it doesn't matter what concept you have. But let's say you're trying to do a high-end gastropub focused on small plates. If you have a tiny galley kitchen that only has a stove with two burners, you probably can't pull that off. You don't have the proper equipment to serve the food that's going to give you that high-end gastropub experience that you're looking for for your guests. Sure, you can modify things, you can change things. To some extent, especially if we're looking at kitchen design, you only have so much hood space. And with hood space costing thousands of dollars per foot, it's not something you can just magically make more hood space for. So you always have to think about your physical plant in both the bar and the kitchen and how that limits or helps your concept. That doesn't mean that you can't make anything work. Of course you can. And there are ways to say in a kitchen, you don't have the hood space or you don't have a hood at all. Maybe you can put in a panini press and do sandwiches, right? There are ways around things. But your physical ability to execute greatly influences what concepts make sense for you and what you can do to make for a more cohesive experience for your guests. Now, beyond the physical, you get into 
what you serve. What is it that you're giving people as that experience? And that also has to tie in directly to the experience they've had, again, from the website to the bar stool. So if you're a high-end gastropub, you're going to need high-end cocktails, right? You're going to have to serve high-end cocktails. It doesn't make any sense in most people's minds to go to a place that has a very eclectic, innovative American small plate menu that also has Budweiser on tap. Now, it doesn't mean you shouldn't have Budweiser on tap, but it's just not a common thing. The, the, the folks that drink Budweiser and the folks that go for a high-end eclectic small plate gastropub tend not to be the same people. Likewise, if you own a regular neighborhood bar that just kind of serves a normal middle American blue-collar community, you probably aren't going to sell much high-end wine, right? You can have some Chateau Latour in the back, but no one's going to buy a $1,000 bottle of wine in that environment. So what you serve has to tie in with what you are. What you are is made up of what you serve and the physical location, the physical feel, the decor, all of that. So it's always very, very important to focus on what you serve being part of that concept. What's really kind of fun, uh, and this was my experience in the bar business, is if you have a neighborhood bar, you can play multiple sides of this game. At one point, my bar was on the northwest side of Indianapolis. And at one point, we had more Budweiser keg sales than anyone in the area and more craft beer sales than anyone in the area. And that's kind of the magic of that neighborhood bar segment. Because you can become a microcosm of the community around you, you can attract a lot of different people. And those different people have different tastes. And that allows you to really be able to play some different sides of that coin. I still was never going to sell a bottle of Chateau de Tour. I still was never going to be able to sell $1,000 bottles of wine. I still was never even going to be able to sell Grandpappy, right? Because even high-end bourbon, which I did sell a lot of bourbon. I was in the Midwest. I'm in Indiana, just north of Kentucky. And there are a lot of bourbon drinkers here. But super high-end bourbon, you know, the, the 50, 60, 70, 100, $200 shots of bourbon, we're not going to sell to that market. I mean, maybe on an occasion I get somebody in that would buy one or two of them, but it just wasn't going to happen on a regular basis. So it wasn't worth stocking. I didn't want to put that money on the shelf because I knew the chances of that money coming off the shelf, actually being able to sell through that bottle, <laughs> were quite low. So make sure again, that your food and your drinks are directly reflected of the type of bar you are and the community that you're in. Now, the other piece when it comes to concept, and this is the part that no one likes as much, right? We can have some fun talking about the physical building. We can have a lot of fun talking about decor. We can have fun talking about the foods that we offer, the drinks that we offer, how we're going to run a cocktail program, a lot of this is very, very enjoyable and stuff that most people in the hospitality industry like spending their time on. What most people in the hospitality industry and most bar owners don't like spending their time on is the back office work. But the back office work is a key component of your concept. It's something that must happen. 
And this goes into really creating a concept where you can optimize your profit. Because without the back office work, without knowing your numbers, without having the right pieces in place to be able to analyze your business, you don't stand any chance in the world of being able to operate a bar with a bottom line that's 20%, right? Or even 15%, hell, even 12%. You know, there's less statistics on bars and restaurants. But if you look at restaurants, the average restaurant in America nets about 5% of their revenue. With bars, you're obviously in a little bit better situation. There's always an easier margin and less labor involved with pouring a beer than there is with making a hamburger. But if you don't know your numbers, you're never going to be able to optimize that. If you don't know your numbers, you're never going to make the right choices on what you need to have behind your bar and what you don't, what food you need to serve and which food you don't need to serve. So it's absolutely essential that you get the back office piece right. And the key to all back office everything is you have to know your sales. You have to know your costs. You have to measure your KPIs, your key performance indicators. And we will talk in later episodes about what those KPIs are, how to measure those. But suffice to say now, you need a POS system that can do that. And you need to be able to collect that data And that data needs to be consistently reliable and accurate so that you can make the proper decisions on how to move your business forward in the future. And without those data points, there's no way, no way you can enter that level of world-class establishment. So other back office piece here, and this is one that is sometimes harder for folks than knowing their data, knowing their costs. And actually, let me back up here. Knowing your costs is part of knowing your data. And knowing your costs is the part that most people don't do. And I don't mean that I say, hey, what does that beer cost you? Okay, beer costing is easy, especially if it's a bottle of beer, right? You know what the case costs you? The case costs you 24 bucks. There's 24 in a case. The beer costs a buck. That's simple. But what almost no one knows is what did that hamburger cost you? You just served a burger with fries. What's that cost? And I don't mean, well, it costs, you know, I think it costs about three bucks. I mean, knowing is the point that, you know, that that plate that came out of your kitchen costs you $3.26. Because unless you have that level of specificity on your costs, you cannot price properly. You cannot analyze your menus properly. You cannot analyze what you're giving your customers properly to ensure that you are making a profit. But beyond that, Beyond the KPIs, beyond the cost, beyond the general back office stuff, you have to do planning and strategic work. And that's something that, A, is built upon the foundation of knowing your costs and knowing your data and having the established KPIs measured, but also something most people in the bar business just don't want to do. And I'm with you on that, right? When I had a bar... Trust me, I did less strategic planning than I should have. I did less forecasting on my business than I should have. And I will tell you right now, I left tens of thousands of dollars on the table because of that. And the biggest trap that people fall into, the trap that I fell into time and time again, 
was saying, well, I know basically what my costs are. I know basically what my revenue is. I know how much money I want to put in my pocket. Okay, I'm putting that much money in my pocket. Great. I'm not worried about the rest of it. But the problem there is when you're not worried about the rest of it, you're just not worried about putting your own money in your pocket to the extent that you should be. And when I look back now, having been out of the actual operation side of the bar business for a few years, the thing that strikes me is I should have a lot more money than I do. And the reason why I don't is because I wasn't doing the back office work the way I should. Now, did I measure KPIs and data? Yes. Was I always on top of my accounting personally? Yes. Did I do a lot of things above and beyond what other people did? Sure. But that forecasting strategic planning work, I didn't do to the extent that I should have. And that cost me a lot of money. Don't be like me. Do the strategic work. Do the planning. Keep that money on the table. Keep that money in your pocket. And as time goes on and and we delve into future podcasts, we will talk a lot about what that strategic work looks like, what those KPIs are, and the back office pieces of your concept that are absolutely required to be successful. One last note on your concept, and that is you must standardize everything. And that is true of the back office work. That is true of what you serve. That is true of how you serve. And that goes from everything from what your employees wear to how they pour a drink to how your cooks make food. Everything must be standardized. Every procedure must be standardized. Now, that sounds really restrictive and it's not. Because when I say must be standardized, right, you must have a standard procedure you follow to do any given activity. That doesn't mean you give a cookie cutter experience to your guests. That doesn't mean you don't build personal connections with people. That doesn't mean anything like that. What it does mean is that to consistently manage your numbers, everything must be done the same way every time, right? And and the easiest example here is how many French fries go on a plate. So when I first took, well, when I first bought my bar, the bar had some really decent food for a neighborhood bar, but my goal was to elevate it a little bit. My goal was to focus on the food because I saw in the P&L three or four points I could shave off there and put some more money in my pocket. And one of the first things I did was stand in the kitchen and I watched all the food that got thrown away, everything that came back from the table, which food items came back and how much. And my biggest waste was in French fries. And the problem with the French fries was it was not a standardized portion. The fries were literally just cooked in a basket like most bars do and and grabbed by the handful and put on a plate. Well, it turned out my cooks were putting way too many French fries on the plate. So we were throwing away countless pounds of french fries a week. Huge money thrown in the trash because we were putting too many fries on each plate. So how do you fix that? Well, we standardized our french fry portion to seven ounces. So every time we were running low on fries in our freezer, we'd go grab a new bag of fries. And literally, my cooks would sit there and weigh out fries. Seven ounce portions put in plastic bags, plastic bags put into the freezer next to the fryer. 
so that when there was an order, that order always got seven ounces. Now, I will be real honest with you. We didn't start at seven. We started at eight, and there were still some getting thrown away. We moved to six, and there were never any getting thrown away. So we went to seven because that was like the middle ground where most people would eat most of the fries. Some people would eat all of them. Some people wouldn't. But it was the comfortable spot that we found through testing and experimenting with the number of fries we were putting on a plate. And once we found that magic seven-ounce number, we portioned it. So I always knew if seven ounces of fries cost me 23 cents, that every time fries went on a plate, it cost me 23 cents. Literally, I knew to the penny every time exactly what it cost me. And I made sure that every time that plate went out, the same amount of fries were on every single order. So when I talk about standardization, that's the kind of standardization I'm talking about. It doesn't distract from what you're doing at all. It doesn't get in the way of your food. It doesn't get in the way of your service, but it does standardize it. It does bring you a level of data and trackability that is not available if you were just grabbing fries by the handful out of the fry basket. And that really is key, right? That kind of standardization must exist everywhere. If we're looking behind the bar, obviously you have to have standard pours. You have to have standard amounts of liquor and mixer in each drink. And so that standardization is absolutely key because that standardization ensures that your concept stays cohesive, as we were talking about earlier. It ensures that your data is reliable and it allows you to hit your KPIs and allows you to constantly improve your business through experimentation with your standard work and therefore end up with a business that is actually world-class, that puts the maximum amount of money in your pocket every month, and that provides the best experience for your guests and your team. I'm going to leave you this week with a challenge. And that challenge is to see how cohesive your concept actually is. So I want you to start online. Google your bar. Look at your website. Look at your Facebook page. Look at any Yelp page reviews that you have. Look at any reviews on Google that you have. And build for yourself a picture of what you think your bar is based on what you're reading. Now, obviously, that's hard because you know exactly what it is. But look at what that picture is in your head. Then go to your bar. When you pull up in the parking lot, look at the outside. Say, is this cohesive with what I saw online? Is this giving me the same feeling? Does it feel sketchy outside? Does it feel warm and inviting? Ask yourself those questions. Walk into your bar. Look at the decor. Does the decor tie to what you saw outside and what you saw on the website and on the internet? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. If it doesn't, find ways that you can potentially make that more cohesive. Then I want you to go look at your menus, look at your selections, and say, is this cohesive? Do my liquor specials match what I am? Does my food menu match what I am? Do I feel like from the time I was on the internet to walking into the establishment to looking at the menus, cocktail menus, beer menus, food menus, all of them, do I feel like this is one cohesive experience? And if it's not, act on it. Today is the day to try to make your bar experience more cohesive because when it's cohesive, and people understand what you're doing and understand what you are, everything becomes easier. 
Thanks for listening to the Bar Business Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Check out our website at barbusinesspodcast.com and join our Bar Business Nation Facebook group for more strategies and tips.